Welcome to Analytics for Society, the podcast where we discuss how analytics can be used to have an impact not only on business, but also on key topics such as sustainability, health, and innovation. I'm your host, Jan Seglem, Managing Director in SAS Institute in Norway. Today's episode is the after talk at the Oslo Business Forum 2021, where my colleague Pernil Hattel discussed rethinking innovation with two inspiring guests. Alex Osterwalder, author, speaker, entrepreneur, and business thinker, ranked on the Thinkers 50 list of management thinkers worldwide, and Aurel Spandov, CEO of Amester Group, who for the last two years has been ranked as one of Norway's 25 most innovative companies. I hope you enjoy. So we are here to talk about rethinking innovation and why business need to fundamentally change how they lead and innovate to succeed in the new normal of hybrid working. So just to wrap up on today, for me, it has been really, really inspiring. And one thing that I learned or a key takeaway from my side is that we are at a turn point. It's a moment that we should take to reflect and rethink the way we do. But I would like to hear your perspectives. So, Alex. So, I think we, we're at an interesting time where we're moving from what I like to call innovation theater to real innovation impact. And you'll be able to show a little bit like what you're doing to, to, to get that title. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, so, it's not enough to have innovation activities anymore. There are very few companies that don't do something in, in innovation. But in a, innovation activities don't matter. It's the results. And that could be the financial results, but it could also be sustainability or you know, improving the workplace, all of these things. So we need to move from activities to real results. That means we need to measure the output of innovation just like we measure the output of our existing business. And that's happening. So I'd say in the last five years, I've seen a substantial shift towards companies really doing it not just the two or three that we always refer to, the technology companies, but a lot more. So it's an exciting time. So yeah, and I, I, th- I think we need to uh, acknowledge that uh, just doing like we always have, uh, well, that's actually brought us to where we are, where we have to change. Uh, and the only way we can create a sustainable future is by innovating our way out of the existing so uh, I think innovation has gone from becoming something you uh, need to do to also to you know be competitive, but it's something also we need to do to continue to inhabit this planet. And just to build on that, you know, I found the story of uh, Paul Pullman, who was CEO of Unilever, extremely inspiring because he's like one of the CEOs and the precursor. People who've done exactly what you said. And what was interesting is what he said back then when he took over as CEO, he said, look, innovation um, changing and profits, sustainability innovation and profits can live in harmony. And his thesis was actually, and he showed part of that really well, that if Unilever really moves towards sustainability, Profits are going to be a result. So they don't have to be in conflict, but in harmony. And, and I think that's a really intr- interesting story. And you as a leader are living this now, right? So I think we're seeing more and more leaders who are actually doing this. Because if we don't, like our kids are not going to have <laughs> a, a, a planet to live on. 
I completely agree with you. I think this is a, a trend also we see, especially in this part of the world, and something that will mean a lot to our competitiveness in the future. Just taking a step back, um, so we've just been through a pandemic. I think we're all thrilled to be here today, to be together face-to-face in an event like this. But is there anything from this past 18 months that you um, would like to, to pull forward, something that you've learned, especially when it comes to innovation? How has, have, have you cultured it during this pandemic and how have you made sure that it continuously is there? Aral, what's your point? Well, I think, you know, you had a, a nice division of uh, innovation where you had kind of like... Um, operational innovation yep. Yep. and I think our experience is that uh, being just you know isolated in your home working on teams or zoom or whatever we've we've suffered on the kind of the operational innovation that's been really really hard to to continuously improve whereas uh, the kind of more the larger innovation starting new businesses thinking out new business models that has continued for from our experience at least so so we launched actually five new businesses during the pandemic whereas uh, our existing process innovation was virtually at a standstill i find that interesting because i'm seeing the same pattern um, I was surprised. I thought, you know, innovation budgets are the first budget that are going to get killed with the pandemic. Turned out very few companies stopped innovating. So the pharmaceutical companies we're working with actually scaled up the more transformative innovation. So I see exactly the pattern that you were mentioning during the pandemic. I think the challenge is now that we're coming out of at least part of the pandemic is that we need to institutionalize innovation, this type of rethinking, because if it's not in the org chart, it's going to go away. And operations are going to swallow up everything. So we need to really institutionalize this and put it into the DNA of the company. And do you have any tips on doing that? Well, the tips are the leaders, the future <laughs> leaders, the, the leaders who are doing the right thing. That's my tip. So you're probably best suited to say what should leaders do you know, to actually institutionalize innovation. What uh, have you done? No, I, I think... Your hierarchy, your organizational chart was really interesting. And I think uh, um, we have this uh, people, planet, profit uh, thing. And I was talking to another business leader and she told me that, yeah, we also have that. So we have this person who's responsible for implementing our people, planet, pro you know, uh, profit process. Uh, whereas I think you need to, to give that uh, responsibility to the actual organization. You can't keep it to one person. Yeah. And it's the same with innovation. Yeah. You have to, uh, every role has to, ha to play a role in innov innovating. And that's really hard yeah. because most people are focused on delivering on their short-term or annual goals. Yeah. And I, I want to build on that people aspect. So I had an interesting interview before and in a podcast, we were almost kind of getting into it. It was between, is people or structure more important? I said, well, it's actually, it's a false question, if you want. It's the sequence that matters. So innovation and change is always going to come from people. But here's the thing. I think most companies I meet have really great innovators. The problem is the structure doesn't allow them to innovate. They get punished through the KPIs. They don't get the money to explore. So the people are there. 
So people come first in that sense. They're the innovators. But if the structure isn't there, the institutional structure, guess what? They're going to manage and execute because they don't want to hurt their career. So while people come first, you actually need to build the structures first for the people actually to thrive. So that's an interesting thing because I don't think innovation is a problem of ideas or people. We have them. What we need is the structures so they can actually thrive. Today, why do we have more innovation in startups? Because we don't have the stifling structures in startups. But there's a lot of talent in established companies. We're just not using it well enough. We're not using the innovation talent in companies well enough. It's a huge potential. And do you think the situation has changed now with what we have learned in the past um, period of the pandemic? It's starting. <laughs> But in some companies, that changed, right? I mean, you've been doing work on this. You put this up front. We've, you've been talking about the innovation you're doing. But I, I'm sure you can talk about some of the things that are hard to do as a leader as well. So I don't blame the leaders because it's hard being a CEO. It's hard running a business and innovating, right? So I think it's changing, but we need to see more role models so people are not afraid. Many CEOs I talk to, They're shit scared to do this because it's new. It's the unknown. It's easier to a certain extent to manage the existing, but it won't bring you into the future. And I, I think one of my, uh, or, or our experiences, has been that you won't always find the innovators within your existing company or organization because you haven't employed them to do that job yeah. is not part of their job description. Yeah. So if you suddenly want to change that description, well, you got to set off time or you got to add resources. Uh, whereas a lot of ideas may come from the outside. Yeah. So to be around, you know, looking around your outside your organization and then bring these people into yeah. the organization, they can become the change agents. Yeah. One, I was talking to um, the CEO of a 50,000 people financial institution and we're looking at how to create an innovation engine for his organization. And the first thing that I said he needs to do is actually looking outside to find the right leader to become the chief entrepreneur. Because somebody who's done it before is, is a person who's going to have made all the mistakes. He or she will have done all of the wrong things. So in innovation, we don't need young people, graduates with fresh ideas. We need experience and they exist. So a bigger organization, um, a different organization, Zurich Financial Insurances, they actually hired from Ping An, an example that I noticed that I mentioned, one of their uh, top heads brought them in so they could do the same thing. So hunting for the right people in addition to the talent you have inside is absolutely crucial. Not done enough. You know, we try to hire the best chief financial officer, the best chief operating officers, But we're not hunting enough for the best innovators. We need to have the same rigor, the same rigor. So innovation doesn't just happen with people coming in from, from the outside. It also happens from within the company. Um, and I think most of us are really interested in, in learning how can we empower our existing teams to become more innovative. How can we um, help them come up with new ideas and actually help them get them through? Any, any tips on that, Aaron? Well, I think the, the quickest way is to split your innovation into transformative and kind of, you know, uh, improving processes. And you can, you can, you can do the, the latter with your existing 
kind of people. I think transformative innovation, uh, the idea might well come from within the company, which is, you know, great. But I think it's, it's not what you should bet on. I think you need to be outside again, looking at what's going on in, the, in your industry, in, in other industries close to your own, and then get the ideas and then bring in the people to do a transformative kind of change. Because obviously a transformative change will need, you need to start a new business really. What, what I would add to that is, you know, I have a lot of leaders asking me, Alex, how do I know which idea to pick and which people to pick? And then I say, well, you can't. I say, well, what I can't. So what you want to do in innovation is lower the barriers to zero so anybody can start. So not everybody should be an innovator. Not everybody is good at innovation. But you should let everybody try. A little bit like the startup world. And the second thing is mixing internal innovators with external innovators. So keeping it open. Even, you know, mixing investments in startups with investments in your internal teams. But here's the thing. Everybody should be able to start, but after three months, they have to show results. Not revenue, impossible, right? But evidence that customers care. And if they don't show evidence after three months, finished. They have to come back another time. So you give them the chance to prove that they can be innovators. That's how the best innovators emerge. It's like in the startup ecosystem. So taking away all the blockers will lead to the innovators to innovate. Is this, this sounds complex. Is this just for big businesses? Can you innovate as a yes. small, yeah. uh, you know, average, typical business? So I think there's a, a couple of interesting myths in innovation. I'm not always sure where they come from. So for this one, I would say it's a lot easier in smaller companies to innovate. It's a lot easier. And I'm speaking from, I don't have the research right in front of me, but it's anecdotal evidence. And I'll tell you why. Because you're a family-owned business. When you decide to change the structure, it's going to change like this. If you're a publicly owned company with, a, you know, 10,000 people or 100,000 people, and you're the CEO and say, I want to change, it's going to be hard and you're risking your job at the same time. So actually, it's a lot easier to do in smaller companies. The numbers are going to change, the scale. You might invest in three projects rather than 300. But personally, I think that's easier. Where it gets hard is the scaling. That might be a different issue. But is there, is there a minimum size for innovation to start? I mean, do you have to be more than 100 people, 250? I mean, what's No size. What needs to change is your ambition. <laughs> so if you're an established company that's been around for 30 years and you're 100 people, you might not want to go for a billion-dollar business. That might be a little bit, you know, arrogant. But if you're making, I don't know, 10 million in revenues or 100 million in revenues to, to say, well, we're going to create another additional 1 million or 10 million is absolutely feasible. Is that, so I think there's no minimum size. The difference I would make is between a startup that is searching for a new business model and a company that has one. Because when you're searching for a new business model, you don't need to innovate. You just need to figure out something that works. <laughs> it's survival strategy. But the interesting thing in the startup world, I'd be here, interesting, interested to hear your experience. Once you have a business model that works, they actually die faster than ever before. So you, 
very quickly have to reinvent yourself. There's no more time to lean back for 10 years. And I'm pretty sure you're seeing that in the things that you're doing. No, uh, definitely. And I think, you know, the life size of uh, family businesses is, is, is falling year by year. So I'm actually a dying uh, business model if you look at the statistics. But that's why I think innovation becomes so very, very important. And, you know, I, I'm not doing the business my dad did. He didn't do the business. His grandmother did. I hope my kids, if they go into the business, do something that looks completely different. Probably, because it's not going to survive. But it may not be a, a, a brutal change. It, hopefully, it's a, it's a constant, inno, in, innovative process. Uh, and hopefully, that will morph into something that is good for the time. I'm not going to do follow-up questions, because <laughs> otherwise, I should take over. <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested, you know... Um, If you've seen, so I'm, I'm saying it's easier in smaller organizations, but you asked the question. So I'm intrigued by you asking the question. Do you think it's easier in big companies or in smaller companies? No, well, my impression is that you need some kind of size to actually make innovation that matters, that makes a difference. I mean, in Norway, typically, and, and all of the Nordics, uh, 95% of businesses are 10 people or 15 people. And, and can you really innovate to make a difference in a, in a business like that? And will innovation create by necessity or, or default the need for consolidation, larger entities uh, and, and uh, the smaller companies will lose out or will it be the other way around? So, so what you're saying, Ariel, is do they need a bigger company to stand behind them to give them the, the scale they need? I, I think you added impact to the conversation. So I actually think there's a huge opportunity for large companies to innovate and have a huge impact. So in that sense, of course, smaller companies will never have the same impact when it comes to sustainability. That's why a Tesla is fascinating because they're getting to a size where they can make a difference and they're rattling the car companies, right? So when it comes to impact, size matters. But when it comes to can you innovate, I don't think so. And The reason why we sometimes, I believe, think innovation can only happen into, in large companies is because we confuse R&D and technology with innovation. When I say innovation, what do you all think? What's the first word that comes up? Technology. But technology is this much of innovation. Innovation is creating value for customers in new ways. That can be with a better value proposition. Maybe it doesn't need technology, right? So that... Any company can do. A person of one can find out new ways to create value. But in terms of impact, large companies can unlock a lot of impact, in particular sustainability. We are at the end of our talk here, and I think that was a very good finishing off. So thank you so much, both of you. Really, really interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Analytics for Society and a conversation around rethinking innovation, recorded at the Oslo Business Forum 2021. I hope you enjoyed it.